We continue with the second part of our business wrap, and uh, we now set our sights on infrastructure. Now, President Sir Ramaphosa will host uh, tomorrow morning uh, the inaugural Sustainable Infrastructure Development Symposium of South Africa, SITSA, which is going to unveil infrastructure uh, projects and a pipeline of these projects in six priority sectors. And it's a culmination of a meeting convened by the President in February, and uh, this year, of course, brought together business associations, line ministries, and financial institutions uh, to... Uh, underwrite and effectively deliver infrastructure projects uh, critical uh, to the third phase of the recovery uh, that uh, the president has spoken about. And I'm joined on the line uh, to tell us a bit more uh, about uh, uh, this uh, process and uh, the symposium happening tomorrow by head of the Investment and Infrastructure Office in the Presidency, and that is Dr. Josienzo Ramokopa. Dr. Ramokopa, welcome to Metro FM once again. Uh, yeah, good evening and uh, good evening to the listeners of Metro. Thank you very much for the invitation. Yeah, thank you very much for taking time out to speak to us. Dr. Ramokupa, maybe it might be helpful as a starting point uh, for some people who might not be familiar with how uh, we deliver economic and social infrastructure in our country uh, um, to maybe place out some of that context uh, which would explain why uh, this initiative came about and why you felt at this point uh, that you needed a symposium that brings together uh, private sector actors and uh, large funders, including multilateral funders, and the government as well? Well, I, uh, this is a product of a conversation held with the president late last year in December, to be precise. And essentially at the time, I think uh, the signs were there that uh, the economy is under serious strain and that um, uh, the the rating agencies, if you like, Moody's, uh, was uh, just a matter of time that they'll be relegating her to sub-investment grades and uh, there was uh, adverse economic headwinds and the fiscal headspace was diminishing. So the president said, look, uh, let's try and stimulate demand uh, through a public sector-led aggressive build program. Um, But when we went back into into government, we began to appreciate that both the technical and financial engineering skills in government has been decimated. And that explained the reason why there's no credible and robust project pipeline. So we began to engage with private sector to say, help us in the interim to, uh, if you like, uh, uh, recreate these skills and at the same time work towards the production of that credible and and robust uh, project pipeline. Mm -hmm. We have come to accept that the private sector also thrives on the back of an existence of such a project pipeline. And depending on the sectors that you are choosing as public sector, you are likely going to advance your aspirations, economic growth, industrialization, and absorbing the supply side. So we've been working with private sector. It has been an intense period process since uh, um, February, as we have mentioned. And essentially, we're targeting the network industries, water, mm. energy, ICT infrastructure, and transportation. We also added human settlements yeah. and uh, and agriculture. So we've mined those from uh, those projects from the SOEs. The requirements was that two key requirements or three key requirements that there must be um, post feasibility, there mustn't uh, be um, bidding for funding from the fiscals, there must also have a cost recovery element. Mm-hmm. And then now we've got into a stage where we've got some uh, a credible project pipeline. We pitched these uh, projects on the 28th and 29th of May to an audience of about 60 financing institutions mm. uh, from across the globe. Now we've got the uh, concrete offers. So when we go into the 
seats tomorrow. Essentially, it's a reconfirmation of their sure, interest sure. and hopefully additional interest, but also a conversation about the reforms that are necessary mm. to ensure that uh, we have greater private yeah. sector participation in the context of COVID. I want us to pause here for a second and we'll come back to some of the reforms that you're talking about, which I think are going to be critical to, to unlock uh, some of this infrastructure, be it land release or sort of water use licenses and yes, uh, all yes, manner yes. of other issues. But let's come to the point you were making around cost recovery. I mean, I mean, the private sector would have an interest in some of these projects if, from a cash flow perspective, they mirror what their needs are. So I'm thinking if, yeah. if I'm a bond invest, I'm looking for predictable cash flows, yeah. uh, consistent interest or coupon payments. And so I would want to in, invest in infrastructure like roads, for instance, where some of the tolls would allow me to recover a consistent stream of cash flow. What happens in, in places, in many, for instance, of our rural municipalities where you might not even have a economic base to be able to recover some of those costs of the infrastructure from? What happens in those cases? And uh, do you feel that infrastructure projects in those cases are also suitable uh, to debt markets and uh, I guess to the kind of private sector, public sector collaboration uh, that is part of this process? Uh, I, 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 it's an excellent question. Let me make the following point. So when I said we first prioritize uh, projects that have got a cross-recovery element. Essentially, what we have observed in the public sector is that they're excellent projects, but because they are not properly packaged, they compete for money from the fiscals um, and crowding out social infrastructure. So we're saying that once we have capacity for proper financial and technical engineering project preparation, then those ones, they, you reroute them. They mustn't go and be funded through the fiscals. Essentially, they're going to the debt capital market mm. or we introduce the, the blended financing mechanism. By the way, part of the outcomes of this is the, uh, the operationalization now of the infrastructure fund. So if you are to reroute those, so you are creating a little headspace for social infrastructure to be funded through that channel. So that's the first part. The second part is that Let's take um, a more a more a, a life real uh, scenario. We have a, a situation of collapsing uh, uh, municipal uh, water infrastructure. So essentially, I'm talking about the uh, uh, water treatment plants mm. and wastewater treatment works. So if you had to uh, fund that infrastructure at the municipal level, many of these uh, municipalities are illiquid. They are insolvent, so they don't have a balance sheet to back that kind of investment. Yes. So our argument is that, no, don't fund it at the municipal level. Essentially introduce a national program on the revitalization of uh, a water infrastructure in the country. So essentially you sit behind the, the sovereign guarantee mm. and you sit behind the strong balance sheet of mm. other municipalities through aggregation and then you are able to address the question of uh, municipal infrastructure. It's collapsing all over the place. Yeah, so I think yeah. it requires a, such a, uh, an attention. And then the third part, um, yeah, what we, we are doing is that if you look at the network industries, I'm talking about roads and the uh, water in particular, and also ICT infrastructure, mm. is that they lend themselves to creating efficiencies and they open up corridors. And because now suddenly you can um, co- uh, connect two major nodes in two neighboring uh, uh, secondary cities, essentially you have opened up a new corridor. And along those new corridors, you can introduce uh, new arteries. Essentially, you, you, you have new rights um, and therefore, it, bring, it brings opportunity for municipalities to design land-based financing mechanism uh, through 
the increase in rates and taxes, the mm-hmm. rezoning of those spaces, mm-hmm. and we can have the industry locating there because there's connectivity, sure. there's movement, there's access. So these are the kind of things that we are looking at. So we are suggesting that one of the risk things that must happen in government, think more along the lines of uh, corridors. For an example, if you talk about the uh, opening and or improving efficiencies at the ports, so uh, if you're getting um, goods from uh, industry and into markets outside the country through the port, you have to improve the road infrastructure mm-hmm. leading to the port. Sure. So it's not just the increasing the efficiencies at the port, but the entire network. Mm-hmm. So you see it as a as a single uh, um, uh, uh, ecosystem. Yes, that's sure, the word I'm sure. looking for. Doctor Ramukhu, in that way, this. Oh, sorry. I, I, can I make just a brief request? I'd like us to pause here mm-hmm. for a second, and if you can give me a few more minutes of your time. And on the other no, side of the brief break. Yeah, because yes, I want you to, yes, to continue to explain that and also if we can maybe touch on some of the reforms that we're talking about. I mean, I yes, mentioned I this issue of land release earlier on and also I think some people might also speak about some of the costs uh, of, uh, you know, port charges and uh, some of our railway yes, infrastructure yes, yes, as well. And we'll return to some of those themes with uh, Dr. Hossein Zoramokhupa after this brief break. 12 minutes it is after 8 p.m. If you just joined us, it's the second part of our business wrap. And uh, we're taking a look at uh, the uh, SITSA Symposium, which is coming up uh, in the next day or so, uh, the uh, uh, Sustainable Infrastructure Development Symposium of South Africa. And I'm joined by Dr. Josien Zoramokopa, Head of the Investment and Infrastructure Office in the Presidency. Now, uh, uh, Doctor, you're still making the point, and uh, please conclude that point. And uh, I guess uh, once you've made it, I want us to to return to this theme of uh, some of the reforms that have to accompany uh, 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 you know the packaging and the preparation of some of these projects I've mentioned the one land release water use licenses and we can yes. also talk about port charges and the sort of the cost of our network infrastructure but I guess the other one is also around uh, this perception that uh, many infrastructure pro- uh, projects in the country are uh, beset by corruption and uh, therefore yes. there's a lot of yes. leakage from some of these projects how will yes. this initiative uh, confront that no, you're absolutely correct. I think I, I have no defense about that criticism. So yes, leakage, there's rent-seeking um, activities, but also there's just uh, stoppages of uh, these projects. So, and what we have done also, I, we have met uh, what you call a risk matrix that can undermine this um, aggressive bill program. And also the other risk that uh, might uh, go unnoticed is the fact that the supply side has been uh, has been decimated. So industry is limping. Uh, you are going to find it difficult to find the uh, credible um, uh, entities that has got the necessary expertise and, and resources to be able to be at the forefront of this delivery exercise. But I'm making a different argument that, uh, in fact, it presents an opportunity to have new entrants participating in this space mm. so that you undermine con- concentration of the uh, uh, previously, what was the big five? So he has a pristine opportunity to introduce that. It can come with the great, with some cost, and the cost is not just monetary, but just the delays and also workmanship. But it's things that you can improve over a period of time. I agree with you, uh, Aya, that uh, there are problems with regards to regulatory bottlenecks. You mentioned one around water use licenses. I think the president has been uh, very vociferous about the need for us to address that. I mean, it was taking something like, I think, 23 to 26 months to get those approvals. I think now they've whittled down to about uh, three months, and we are, we, are, we are striving to get it to 
significantly less than that. And it's part of the variables that we are addressing through the ease of doing business. Mm. We are ranking, I think, about 82 or so. The president has given direction that we must work towards being, uh, if you like, uh, below below 50. And some of them have some of them have to do with permitting uh, at the municipal level mm. when you get the um, uh, occupation certificate and all of that. We're working with uh, Johannesburg, um, so 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 Johannesburg um, is used by by the by the World Bank, uh, if you like, um, as as a model because is the is the city that uh, contributes the biggest GDP to the country. Mm. So they are using Johannesburg essentially to see how best we can uh, truncate the pre-approval processes. I must say that Johannesburg has come to the party. And a lot of uh, this is around uh, how you make submissions electronic, how we're able to track um, a, a, the movement of uh, a, a document that requires signature from one person to the other. It alerts you that it's withholding for the past 10 days and we're able to follow up. So in that way, once we improve that, we're able to export that to the rest of the country. The third regulatory hurdle that we we know that uh, is an albatross has to do with um, what we call um, uh, environmental impact assessment, the record of pollution. If you look on average in the eight uh, provinces, with the exception of Gauteng, it takes anything between 18 to 24 months to get uh, an ROD. But if you go to Gauteng, it now takes them about 30 days to Mm. do all of that. Mm. What have they done? They've put a panel of experts that advises uh, the executive authority because it's the executive authority at the provincial level Mm. who's got the final sign-off. So you can imagine the amount of applications that comes through the technical uh, aspects with regards to um, environmental impact assessment. Mm. So if you've got a panel of experts across all disciplines that are required for you to make that uh, that approval. They then recommend to the executive authority. And in this way, Gauteng has been able to bring it down to 30 days. Sure. So we are exporting that model across. So all I'm saying is that uh, there are pockets of excellence. We just need to universalize them, mm. just make them mm. transversal across. So those sure. are some of the things that we, we are attending. Dr. Ramukhupa, I mean, I'm quite conscious that uh, we are quickly running out of time. And just briefly, okay. maybe if you can answer uh, in one go, in one response, maybe two related questions. The one is uh, many people listening into this conversation, especially young people, would be asking themselves, where are the employment opportunities, especially for those who have uh, a limited or no skill or haven't completed any secondary education? Where are some of the job or work opportunities in some of the projects that we've been talking about? And then maybe the last one is for some of our people who are listening in now who are interested uh, in uh, uh, listening into the conversations and participating tomorrow, how do they get involved? Oh, just a quick one. So, what we have done, Aya, and, and I'm sure we'll get an opportunity in the future just to expand more on this. Mm. In addition to, so, Cabinet has approved the first wave of uh, an infrastructure project pipeline. It's 55 projects that have emanated from this process. This was approved um, in May. And in addition to those 55 projects, there's 14 special projects that are targeted at um, absorbing uh, people with little or no skills. Mm. So there's something about the digitization of government uh, information. We're looking at uh, people, youngsters who have passed metric, but they have not been able to progress. Uh, And as part of that, we'll be able to transfer skills. They are guaranteed uh, income for 
over a period of three years. We're working on something on what we call comprehensive urban management functions. Essentially, they're cleaning the streets, cutting the mm. grass, pruning the trees, and ensuring that you unblock the drainages. And then um, on the on on participation, there's a link. You just go to sidssa.org.za. And in there, I think you can be able to join us. I think it will be beamed on all all the major social um, uh, platform, media platforms, so people can interact with that. Uh, hopefully, post that. Um, the president is going to make comprehensive announcements. Hopefully, we can come through to the mm. studio and just share, or through whatever means, just share with you in the most comprehensive fashion where these opportunities are, okay. uh, so that you are able to to take this. Uh, the country for what thanks i am dr josian always a pleasure and uh, thank you very much for your thanks, time brother. and i certainly hope that uh, once this uh, session is over you can still come back to us and uh, yes, engage us on the specifics of some of the uh, catalytic projects you've identified so that we can be able to map them onto clear spaces if we're saying in butsabel or there's a certain project yes, for water yes. or in kwakwa yes. there's a certain project yes. uh, for this or the other we're able to, to to bring that information to our people but thank you very much thank you very much evening that there was uh, Dr. Josienzo Ramokhupa, uh, who is the head of the Investment and Infrastructure uh, 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 Office in the uh, Presidency, a civil engineer and a former mayor of the city of Tswane, speaking to us this evening uh, here on Metro FM Talk.